Hello, everyone, and welcome to Waxy Wednesdays with Max Romantics. This is episode number two. It was filmed on Tuesday, January 11th, 2022, over Zoom. In this episode, we talk about what TV shows and movies we're watching. Um, we talk about our histories as musicians and how we came to play our specific instruments. We also review albums by Portugal the Man, Outcast, Still Woozy, and Washed Out. And we also talk about conspiracy theories. We'll be playing a show if you're in Fort Collins at the Lyric Cinema on Thursday, February 10th with some other awesome bands. So um, why don't you go on over to our social or social media uh, platforms and look for more details there. Uh, we'll also have some exciting announcements about new music here soon. Anyways, enough from me. Let's go to the episode. I sincerely hope that you enjoy it. Waxy Wednesdays with Wax Romantics. Welcome to my podcast. Nice haircut, baby. Thank you. Just got it yesterday. Looking real sharp. I once had my haircut like that. Yeah, now you look I've like got it in a, in a bun. Uh, I might have a mild seizure at some point. Cam's driving this one. Cam, you want to yes, do, uh, do the intro? One sec, guys. Take it off. I'm sorry. I want to reopen the, the vibe. Oh, my <laughs> God. All right, guys. That's nice out there. Are those Christmas lights? Ooh. No, that's a reflection. Oh, okay. You have Christmas window. lights in your bedroom? Yeah, dude. They're just uh, lights yeah. I also out. have a tapestry and a yeah, TNT in here habitually. But. That way, when you're tripping out, you can like look at that and be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, Cam, uh, kick us off. Julian, Keaton, fucking thing Welcome to Wax Romantics, Waxy Roro Podcasts, Waxy Wednesdays, Episode 2. Um, I will be driving this one after our dear Colin drove the last one. Um, I have my handy-dandy notepad prepared with today's questions and prompts. So let's get started. First of all, do you guys have albums ready? Yeah. Got an album ready. Awesome. Well, then I guess we'll just jump right nice in. Nice we'll mustache, Colin. <laughs> yeah, Colin, looking good. Thanks, bro. I I was waiting for you guys to notice this. I, I feel like I've been looking at it the whole time, but it just hit me that it's like that it's real and that it's there. I don't know. I thought it was part of the background or something. <laughs> it's like the fifth member of the band now. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, last last week um, I had kind of the beard goatee sitch going on, and then I went into town for a little bit, and then. Um, my beard trimmer broke and the rest of the beard was getting a little bit wild and unkempt and i had no way to trim it because my beard trimmer was broken so i just i shaved the mustache looks good thank you i hate That's... wild and unkempt beards they're so well yours looks good julian because you have facial hair everywhere mine comes in all patchy so some areas get long and all right. Sorry, Cam. Go ahead. No I knew, I knew my mustache adventure. would be a problem. I knew it would <laughs> take away really a lot of attraction. attention. Yeah. 
I think a fantastic subplot to this um, podcast series would be every episode Colin's rocking a different facial hairstyle. <laughs> <laughs> the mustache is just going to get shorter and, or longer. Don't go shorter. I know. Well, the problem with going shorter is you have a pretty limited amount of space before you can only you go so a certain short. historical figure yeah you gotta yeah. you gotta be really gentle with that people still remember him yeah and we're of course talking about the famous silent movie actor yeah 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 charlie chaplin yeah he had a hitler stash first yeah that shit looks clean though he pulled it off i wish we had the ability to pull up photos Okay, would be... just a quick question. Did Charlie Chaplin have a Hitler stash or did Hitler have a Charlie Chaplin stash? Hitler had a Charlie Chaplin stash, technically. Yeah, it's the latter, yeah, latter of the two. that's the way it is. So, I, again, Hitler just besmirching something that would otherwise be cool and trendy. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, because Hitler actually, he fought when he was in World War One. There's pictures of him. You guys know he was like a war hero, right, mm-hmm. in World War One. Um, like he actually got a met like a medal of valor, whatever the German equivalent of that would be. And then uh, there's pictures back then, and he had a very nice, full, traditional mustache. And at some point, when he was kind of entering the public eye, he trimmed it into the Charlie Chaplin style. And I think it might have even been intentional. Yeah, to look like Charlie Chaplin. It is just because possible. Charlie Chapman, just because he's just a notable figure, I'd love to know what his motivation was. Yeah, I think you know, pro- like presidents today probably get haircuts. Like, you know, like Donald Trump had the Ryan Reynolds haircut. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so now it I just Googled it. Minnesota <laughs> back then, so everyone was just like, ah, I want a short mustache now. <laughs> Okay, but that's so actually, go ahead. Keep this, he was he originally wanted a Bavarian mustache, which is a, li- a lot more full. You can see, and he has there's some war pictures of Hitler with a Bavarian mustache. But then he um, he had superiors in the Bavarian infantry division ordered to clip his mustache down so that he could put his gas mask on properly. Anyways, oh. yeah. Yeah, it's all gas mask fueled. <laughs> you know, I was worried this episode would start with us having a lengthy discussion about Hitler's mustache. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Actually, I'm sorry. Let's move on. That, that, crosses, that crosses the first prompt off my list, so that's okay. Guys. Oh, okay, cool. Perfect. Actually, it's... Perfect <laughs> you got me... You got me there, rather. All right, but that's actually a good transition because from the Charlie Chaplin, not from Hitler. Let's just clarify. <laughs> okay, from the Charlie Chaplin. Uh, my first one was, what kind of TV shows, movies are you guys watching? And or what is your favorite TV movie show, movie trilogy, whatever, of all time? Like, when I, when, when I bring up cinema, what comes to mind? What are you guys watching these days? Right. You got you to gotta name the order you want us to talk in camera or else we're going to talk over each other. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, all right, let's, let's just call in first. Okay. Um, okay, so I guess. Oh, oh. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> uh, good one, Julian. Good timing. Good comedic timing. Yes. Um, I'm good at that. Well, 
You guys know me. I'm quite a, a literary guy. I'm part of the intelligentsia. So I've read a lot of literature um, and try to limit my movie watching to just the classics. So I've been reading a lot of books and watching a lot of Akira Kurosawa. No, I'm joking. Um, I do. I wanted to mention what book I'm reading right now because I'm actually reading the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood book. It's the book adaptation by Quentin Tarantino of the movie. And it it's um, interesting. A lot of chapters are just, it's kind of um, like you were just reading the script of the movie. It's like the exact dialogue and it describes um, the background details and everything. And then uh, other chapters he just goes like way off into the backstories of the character. So a lot of the book is focused on Brad Pitt's character, Cliff Booth. And um, it goes into like, he was like, yeah, he murdered his wife. He was like a war hero in world war two and like had the most um, official pills of Japanese soldiers of any other of any other American. And um, yeah, I'm enjoying the book. Um, TV shows. I've been kind of jumping around with different TV shows, but I am watching a really good Italian TV show on HBO. It's called Gamora. And it's like about an Italian crime family in Naples. Gamora sounds um, I'm just a few episodes in, but it's pretty intense. I feel like when I try to read the book adaptations of movies, I, I'm just picturing Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie, like for example, the whole time. Like I like to be well, able to yeah, get like, an idea of the character in my own head. And I'm just thinking about the actor the whole time. And I read like those book adaptations. That's a good point, but I uh, I actually do like picturing them in my head. Like it's kind of fun to drop a, a mental image of you know I'm already drawing up mental images of Brad Pitt all day. Obviously, oh, yeah. yeah but, he's uh, not. I'll take it. Julia's yeah. too nearby for you to say Margot Robbie then, huh? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, I talk about Brad Pitt with Julia all the time. I literally I was at the gym today and I told her I'm trying to get that Brad Pitt Fight Club look. Mm-hmm. slash jesus on the cross look um <laughs> that's the look that's like the look once yeah. brad pitt took his shirt off in fight club that for the first time everyone was just like all right that's like that's yeah, it sort now. of human body oh, can look like, yeah. yeah shit i know yeah it feels silly even saying that because like I've, like, oh, you want to look like Brad Pitt in Fight Club? Like, wow, how interesting. Like, who wouldn't? You know, that's the physique. Um, I guess some people wouldn't. I don't know. It'd be a boring world if everyone looked like Brad Pitt in Fight Club. You need some people to look like Meatloaf in. Yeah, some people need to look like Meatloaf in Fight Club. Anyways. um, Hey, I wasn't wasn't done. I wanted to talk (laughs) about my movie. Go ahead, go ahead. I don't know. Sorry, that. Can I talk about? Yes, I'm sorry. I, I, your tone was. That was my bad. That was my bad. No, it's Julian. I mean to take up too much. (laughs) You go, you go, go, you go. go. So disrespectful. Um, I'll go real quick. I just watched the French Dispatch, Wes Anderson's new movie, Mm. masterpiece. I don't know. We've never talked about Wes Anderson. I have a feeling. Yeah, it's probably like. Well, Cam, I know you like Wes Anderson, but Julian Keaton. Yeah, I love Wes Anderson. Yeah, he's for a long time been. Um, I've just been like loved his movies for a long time, and they're like kind of my comfort movies. Most of them are. So watching the French Dispatch 
has made me go back and I've kind of just been watching West Anderson movies in chronological order. All right. Julian or Keaton? Yeah, either one um, over, over here. Well, I'll, I, I can go because mine's really quick, honestly. I don't, I don't really watch TV. I don't have, like, TV per se. I have, like, Netflix and Hulu and all that stuff, but I don't really use it too much. Um, <clears throat> a Netflix movie that I just watched that I really liked uh, was A Futile and Stupid Gesture. Which is love that movie. Um, it's about the creation of the National Lampoon. That movie was excellent, honestly, so good. And Will Forte, wow, he's beautiful. Um, what's the name of the? Of, what's the name of Will Forte's character again? The dude who created National I, Lampoon. I forget. To be honest, I'd have to Google it. But um, yeah, that's okay. I feel like. It was so, it was like so artfully done, but it didn't really all come together until the last 10, 15 minutes of the film, which I feel like is a perfect representation of that dude's life and like the inner workings of his mind is that everything was so all over the place and hectic and I mean, it came through in his writing and all the publishing but like I don't know, I feel like they just did such a good job of capturing like his overall essence. Whoa, Keaton, <laughs> you want some supplements, boy? <laughs> yeah, does it, you guys like that? <laughs> yeah, good. Uh, for good. Our audio listeners, we've been watching Keaton uh, grow a mustache real time with the Zoom uh, feature, where you can add facial hair yourself. It oh, actually looks dirty. pretty good. Yeah, it it's looks really good. Dirty. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's tracking and everything. Anyway, sorry. Sorry to interrupt you, Julian. And, and no, Julian. you're good. Who plays... What actor plays Chevy Chase in that movie again? Remember? Um, fucking... Uh, the, the Joel McHale. Okay, it is. I thought it was Joel McHale, which yeah, is funny because, you know, so- they're in community together. Yeah, and it's so funny too how well I mean not funny. It's it's cool how in that film all of those like old school legendary comedians are played by actors who are very much very clearly influenced by those comedians. Like Chevy Chase being played by Joel McHale. Um Man, the cast was so huge, and I'm so stupid. I don't really remember who else was even in the movie, but I, everyone that was cast, I just felt like, whoa, that dude is just paying huge respects to this to this legendary comedian. As far as like shorter things, I've really just been watching a lot of like late night uh, talk shows. I've been big on uh, Seth Meyers. I think he's hilarious. Um, and also Stephen Colbert. I always watch a lot of Stephen Colbert. I think it's just um, out of necessity. Like, I can't really have the topical news of today delivered to me unless it's with punchlines and like sarcasm and just dry, dry deadpan humor. Um, that's the only thing that makes it bearable these days for me 
Julian, do you want to add anything else about your um, movie TV show topic? Nah, I think, okay. yeah, that pretty much does it for me. I, uh, yeah, I'm trying to stay away from TV. Although, mm-hmm. just add as a bookend, the show sure. Seinfeld, mm-hmm. fucking, I mean, everyone knows it's good, but now that it's on Netflix again, Whenever I have nothing else to watch or or think about, I will put Seinfeld on and uh, fuck all the haters, man, that say that show is like insensitive or not PC enough or whatever. It's just a laugh. It's so fucking funny. Are you a uh, but, Curb fan, Julian? Curb enthusiasm? Uh, to be honest, I have never really watched too much Curb enthusiasm. Um, I know I would like it a lot. But uh, I just don't have a way to watch it, especially not the new stuff. I don't have any uh, of the HBO stuff. I'm a big Seinfeld fan, but I, I think I like Curb more than Seinfeld, honestly. That's what everyone always tells me. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have a real <laughs> reason just said for not yes. watching it. He says yes. <laughs> oh, man. Ian, what are, you, what are you watching these days? Yeah, Keen, I know there's, you, I know there's something brilliant that you're uh, about to say other than oh, yeah. hentai uh well hentai mostly 85 <laughs> percent hentai okay uh you got me and then um like uh i've been i watched the second episode of the mandalorian the boba fett um, show the boba fett yesterday yeah. that shit is pretty lit but it kind of <laughs> felt like a filler episode but i gotta say like the new that at least the first episode was off the chain crazy as fuck. So you get, I highly recommend um, all of that. I've been, wa- I, I've been watching some really bizarre stuff cause I've been kind of sick the past couple of days. So I'm off a bunch of cough medicine. So I watched like <laughs> these, like, um, what was it? Like a couple of days ago I was watching, um, you guys know, like the strategy total war game. I watched like a reenactment where somebody had done a mod on it. So it was like completely realistic. And so it was like the fog of war was on everything. And they did all these reenactments of like battles in the Napoleonic Wars and stuff like that. And that shit was wild. So I'll probably have to link that at some point. (laughs) It's really funny too, because it's this game is modded out. So the audio kind of didn't work so you're sitting there watching people just slaughter each other and there's no audio it's just like really happy classical music and they're just sitting there going at it. And it's like thousands of people so yeah 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 that's um nothing too crazy but yeah this sounds awesome i'm gonna check that out <laughs> I- i'm gonna um, forward that to you guys because it's just it's so comical <laughs> i know i do really want to watch that Cam, what are you watching? Man, I know I don't know if, I don't know how much Julian and Keen knows about me. I know Colin knows. I'm like a huge film fanatic, cinema nerd. Like I love to like follow accounts on Instagram, like just fun facts, watch movies. Like I like recommendations. So I'm definitely gonna check out a lot of the stuff you ever said. But I too, Keen, have been watching the Book of Boba Fett. That's a good show. The the bringing like this is a small spoiler. Like bringing like the Huts back, like the Hut Twins, was pretty fucking cool. I was pretty pumped when those came on. I was like, what? It's good yeah. so far. No, yeah. People know that because even before I watched the second episode, I had seen the picture of the, um, not Ewok, uh, uh, the, the Wookiee. The Wookiee, yeah. yeah. 
the Wookiee hub, um, bounty hunter. Like that guy just fucks in general. Like, yeah, that I, guy looked dope. I, as far. You guys need to look up a picture of that guy. Um, yeah. Bounty hunter Wookiee. I'm trying to find a video. <laughs> like I'm just mixing like dog the bounty hunter mixed Chewbacca. It does sound like an NFT. <laughs> bounty hunter rookie. <laughs> um, Colin, I know you would like that because I know you're a Star Wars boy, but Book of Boba Fett's good. And they got like his name is Tim Morrison. He played Jango Fett in the original, and he played all the clone troopers. Like in the animated series, the Clone Wars, all of the animations for like Rex and all the clones are based off Tim Morrison. Or I think I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name right. I know he's I think he's a Oh, shit is lit. I just found the picture of him again. Wow. Wow, dude. I'm weirdly turned on by this Wookiee bounty hunter. I'm like, yeah, I'm he's, he, he fucks for sure. Yeah, no, he I kinda, would not. Wouldn't cross who, him. What? Why? Who comes up with this shit, man? What the fuck? I think John Favreau is behind this series as well. He did The Mandalorian, and I think John Favreau is yeah, doing this. And he's just like, good. He did Iron Man. He does like, Marvel shit, Star Wars shit. He's awesome. Man, he just made me scared of of Wookies. What the hell? Yeah, it's yeah. it's cool they're like villainizing the Wookies because I feel like every Star Wars time, every time there's this Wookiee in Star Wars, is a good guy, and they're like they are they do look like super ferocious. So like, it's, it's cool they're making one a villain. Yeah, John Favreau's a genius. He's a great actor <laughs> and director. Oh, you still have that? Damn, that's a throwback. Wow. Yeah. We've been on first the podcast. The host, the host of this episode, commands it. <laughs> I'll probably pass out, and you guys won't be able to tell <laughs> if I concept. pass out. I'll just be like, nah, <laughs> no. <laughs> "You good, Papa Wax?" <laughs> um, but let's see. I just okay. So yeah, the book of Boba Fett's like it's fun to have something to look forward to like that. Um, I just finished watching the show called The Patriot, not the Mel Gibson movie, but it's a show called The Patriot. The Patriots really yeah, so good, actually. You've seen the Patriots? Yeah, the Patriots oh, are a good show. Yeah. yeah, I'm not. It doesn't sound like I'm as far as you. But did you guys watch uh, the fucking the Don't Look Up movie? Mm-hmm. I watched that one. I did. I liked it. How you liked it? Yeah, I know. There's like a lot of controversy. Like it's very, very. Uh, people are split on the reviews. What do you What do you think, Julia? What? I liked it too. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like, I wouldn't say it was like a good movie, but I, I liked it a lot. Um, I like the message of it, I guess more than I like the movie itself. Honestly, I think, and this might be like, don't cancel me for this or whatever, but I think the thing that took me out of it the most was just Jennifer Lawrence's like, somewhat a current like freak outs where she would just be like fuck oh, you, like you sexist pig you misogynistic yeah, bastard <laughs> maybe it's just, like, if it was a man character i wouldn't <laughs> mind it as much but i don't know <laughs> yeah no i feel you i know i you know who are we to question the decisions of adam mckay but he did I, he did <laughs> yeah. make some interesting um choices with it because you guys probably saw vice and that's adam mckay as well that's like i love very, that movie yeah and um that's a very you know it's comedic in a lot of parts but very serious kind of at the same time but he did a lot of 
more goofy stuff with Don't Look Up, and I thought it was going to have more of a Vice vibe. To uh, oh. to our <laughs> listeners, Keaton <laughs> just dropped a ridiculous <laughs> link in the chat. Uh, uh, video that Keaton just says <laughs> fucking gnarly. National I'm news. Sorry. Yeah, that is just as <laughs> rowdy as it gets right there. Is there a way to hide the notifications? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, I think he is on cough medicine right now. Yeah. <laughs> he's drinking alcohol with it. Yeah, it kind of really helps, he really evens it out. He had his hand up and he was kind of like looking at his own hand like it was distracting him. <laughs> it, yeah, my hands turned into birds momentarily. I'm just looking at these birds, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Cam, Actually, I you just... need to you need to wrangle us in, dude. We haven't yeah. we've barely gotten past the first segment. What are you doing, man? I'm enjoying this, man. That energy today is it. It's picking it up. All right, everyone. No, it's unpalped for Shut sure. The fuck up, everyone. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> um, this one is a uh, this one. I think should be fun to share some stories. That I don't know if we've ever heard about each other. That, um. <laughs> That was sounded really sexual. Why did you start playing? Why did you start playing music? And what made you play the instrument you play? Like, why did you pick the current instrument? Uh, let's let's go backwards. Key, and you start this time. Okay. Okay. Um, well, uh, I guess in this band. It just felt like more natural. It's one of the you pick up the instrument that you play predominantly, but I play a lot of piano still and stuff like that, and um, guitar and synth and just general production stuff. So then that just you just know bass because you know that stuff in a sense. So that's been helping me progress on the instrument still, even though I'm not. I'm I'm trying to practice a lot more, but I'm not like sitting there every day waking up like it's my dominant instrument but it's really fun so you know it's just one of those things you know mm-hmm. nice but, yeah yeah what about you kim i don't know i feel like there was always a lot of drives like when i was a little kid like give me to play an instrument and like i was always for whatever but i remember like one t- this one day like we moved into our old house the one the vajobi house and yeah the um, jobs the jobs baby fucking legendary street name but um my folks just bought that little uh yamaha baby grand that little electric baby grand i think they're kind of like this thing can't sit here like one of you is learning how to play the piano and i was like all right <laughs> so i learned the piano you know it's great and now here i am but it's, it's yeah. really fun you know the piano i've learned i don't know i guess when i was younger it almost felt like I loved playing. I've always loved playing, but it felt like a chore a bit more when I was younger, almost like going to band rehearsal and band practice. Or not, I mean, uh, piano practice and piano rehearsal with my instructor and stuff. Yeah. And I guess I couldn't appreciate like how like therapeutic it is to play an instrument, like sit down. But now I kind of can, so it's nice to like kind of see both sides of that coin. Like it is like it can be like a job, but like a hobby or like therapy almost, and that's kind of fun to balance them. But yeah, I guess it was mainly my parents. And, you know, Colin had some influence playing guitar when I was a little kid and stuff. What about you, Julian? Well, <clears throat> um, to be honest, I, uh, I started playing drums when I was pretty young. 
it was kind of just always something I had an interest in. And, and I mean, I mean, like, as long as I can remember, I had an interest in it. Um, my dad's friend had a drum kit, like, set up in the living room of his house. And one of my first memories really is going over there and just sitting in the throne and, like, looking at the drums, not even playing them, but just looking at them and being like, this is awesome. This is what I want to do. And then... I mean, years went by, I would say. I, I It was like a little kid's stupid hobby interest at first, where it was just like, I want to be a drummer. But it didn't really go away. And like, I would be banging on everything in class and grinding my teeth to like certain rhythms and just like pounding on my chest all day, every day. And my parents kind of saw that. And so when I was in second grade, they bought me a drum kit for Christmas and it was just, that was it. There was no going back. I used to play in the basement every day after school for like hours at a time. And then when I got into middle school, I decided I wanted to learn how to read music. So I joined the band and reading music was not my strong suit for a little while, but I mean, I practice like like Keaton says, and I mean, you mentioned it too, Cam. Practicing is something you have to do consistently to get better and make progress, and that can feel like a chore. Um, in high school, I used to just—I mean, I used to get out of class at the end of the day and lock myself in the practice room until the sun went down, and that was just because I—I I had the determination to get better at the thing that I wanted to get better at. And I didn't see any other path. I was just like, I'm going to play music. I'm going to like spend all the time that I have getting better at this. Um, And then, I mean, once you graduate high school and you have to get a job, obviously music doesn't necessarily pay the bills. Um, But I think the most important thing is just always finding that drive to make progress and that doesn't mean make progress in the sense of get better at your instrument and like always be getting technically better it just means finding new ways to remain interested in what you're doing um and lately in my i guess i'll call old age um i would say what's making me fall in love with this instrument again and just writing music and being a part of a group is is just reminding myself to keep it simple and and have fun it's not always about uh being the best that you possibly can be at your instrument it's just about conveying the things that you're feeling uh on a real level um and i think that's these days what's made me remain interested in my instrument in particular is just trying to express myself in different ways um, rather than just showing, hey, I know how to play my instrument well. A question I would flip onto all you guys is how, uh, how would you say that like your songwriting has changed and maybe shown that over the years? I mean, me personally, I come from a musical background where I was taught that like technical chops was like the fucking most important thing. 
and I've kind of been in lots of groups that have showed me that playing musically doesn't always mean playing technically. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, in your guys' music and in your guys' writing, do you feel like it, things have changed one way or the other since it started in that regard? I recently, um, like, uh, just was like looking back at different tracks I've done and I did a song um, for this kid. I think he's around your age, Cam, Lewis Turner. And um, that song since blown up like over 600K on Spotify. And that was such a chill song that I wrote for him to sing over. And now we're sitting here writing like crazy, energetic, like indie rock type stuff. And so it's, yeah, it's a huge progression. And it's kind of, you know, it's based off of how we're feeling at the time, but it's also based off of, we want people to have fun when they're listening to our music. And you know, when you release stuff, it's important to like really make sure it like it projects the fact that you are trying to put the most into your music subjectively, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like is this is this is what I'm doing the best for the group, you know? And that's like that Lewis song was like totally egoless. And that's kind of why it popped off so much. Nice. And I feel like that's a huge sign of uh, musical and personal maturity is uh, realizing how can I benefit the group is way more impactful than how do I how do I hear myself the most in this mix or how do I do the most yep. in this time? It's, it's more about what does the group need the most right now? Mm-hmm. That's so Colin, true. That's like quiet. yeah. Nicole, you've been quiet. I've just been waiting to be called on. Um, Go. You what do you want me to talk about? <laughs> Which question? <laughs> Why did, did you pick you... up the guitar? Yeah. Well, so last week we mentioned Kim and my, my father um, plays guitar, and he was in a YouTube tribute band. And he's always played guitar. And me being the eldest son, it was kind of just thrust upon me. Like there was no question whether or not I play guitar. Like when I was born, my dad bought me a little baby Taylor acoustic guitar. And then shortly after I had like a little red Squire Strat um, guitar for my first electric guitar. And, um, you know, my dad gave me lessons right away. And there's something like interesting about your parent playing musician like i didn't come to the guitar naturally when i was young so kind of like what you guys said it did feel like a chore a little bit and it was like something my dad wanted me to do which was kind of weird way so you know when i was when i was young i learned enough guitar to be like proficient like i knew all the cowboy chords and my scales and could strum some tunes but wasn't really like interested in progressing much more than that I was more interested in just running around the neighborhood and playing hockey and bullshit. And then, um, you know, Keaton and I have been best friends forever. And Keaton was always like a super good musician. And yeah, Keaton, I don't know if you'd call yourself classically trained. That's always how I've kind of looked at you though. Cause you know, you're like, you're a real musician. Like you did 
choir and band and you're a good piano player and all that. Um, so yeah, I was always impressed with how Keaton could play. And then we got to high school and met a few more friends who were really musical, Julian included in that. Well, Julian, I knew you in middle school and knew you were a good musician. And um, we got to high school and I think then I, I kind of became jealous that everyone was like really good at an instrument and um, I didn't want to be like left out of that scene. And I, I knew it was a good way to get attention from girls. So I really started to <laughs> like go back to the guitar and um, I, I did it kind of on my own though. And, you know, at that point, like high school, I was, I finally started like find kind of my own music that I was into. And um, well, that's what you were doing all that time. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I was like, you know, I discovered this, like I said, the Smiths and, you know, Johnny Marr and became just obsessed with Johnny Marr and how he plays. And so that kind of became the style I wanted to emulate. And, um, you know, around that time, Keaton and I started a band in high school. And I, that was like my first kind of thing into writing music. A funny, like, tie-in to Colin's timeline there. We had a history of rock and roll together in high school, either like freshman year or sophomore year. You remember that? Yeah, I do remember And that. Uh, yeah. we sat next to each other. Who is your teacher? And I mean, I, I, uh, fuck. I don't know. He was cool though. That class the, was so the cool with the hipster tats. dude. Yeah, with the tats and the. He, tats, he ran for mayor. Class. He almost got elected for mayor. He did run for mayor. Yeah. Well, Van Tat. Yeah. Van Tat. Anyway, Van Tat. Shout out Van Tat. That dude. He's so cool. That dude made music really interesting in that class. But, uh. He did. Yeah, I knew Colin from middle school, or I knew of Colin from middle school, but I didn't know that you played guitar until we had that class together. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned it one day. You're just like, yeah, I play the guitar. I'm in a band. And I mean, just to just to toot your horn, I mean, whenever someone in high school, and I was a, I was a. I was in the same boat, but whenever someone in high school said, yeah, I'm in a band, I just assumed this dude fucking sucks. Their band sucks. <laughs> but uh, the first time I saw you play after learning you play guitar, it, it just seemed like you'd play guitar forever. Like it seemed so natural for you. Uh, and thanks, uh, your guys' songwriting, considering especially that that was your first time really writing songs in a group for like four other people, your songwriting was so far ahead of, I mean, people years older than you. And I mean, huge shout outs, obviously, to Keaton, too, because Keaton is just, like you said, naturally talented. He's got a natural talent with music. He understands it on a on a natural level. But your guys' songwriting at that time was was incredible. And it just, you guys had the essence of people that had played your instruments for years and like really understood your instruments and i still remember watching guys play those early years and just being like holy shit this is this is what natural talent fucking looks like and that was a high school band i mean obviously high school bands are are one thing but like as a jumping off point that was pretty incredible and i mean cam still 
talks about Savage Cabbage songs all the time. Like, you guys <laughs> obviously had a pretty significant impact on a lot of people around you at that time. Uh, and yeah, it was, it was just inspiring. Just being like, wow, I didn't even know this dude played guitar and he fucking treads. And Keaton, too. I mean, yeah. I knew you played music. I didn't know you were were a natural were a natural talent like it's just was cool to see it well it's just because we started young and i think that's the, so cool that you started so young and that obviously was why you were so incredible i was when we played together me and julian played in jazz band together you just were like just knew <laughs> yeah, all the, you knew all the charts off the bat and yeah me and jared had to sit there and actually like learn like really dig in and learn because you know it's jazz is tough and julie yeah, you had that's jazz when, uh, when we were young so i mean that's just a call back to i mean the whole chore concept i took drum lessons for a bit because my mom forced me to and my jazz or sorry my drum teacher forced me to play jazz right off the bat my first lesson was jazz and we played jazz probably for three months and i fucking hated it every time i sat down to practice jazz i would wind up so upset but then yeah. yeah when we came back years later to be in a jazz combo together i was like okay i kind of I kind of get this a little bit and there's no way without all those drum lessons and all that fucking angry practicing that i would have had it and i quit band too because sherman didn't go easy on us man that shit was tough yeah you guys yeah. sweated i mean it was real it definitely i it translates into your playing now man you have the stamina of like a freaking leopard gecko i don't, I don't know if that's the right comparison but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> low and slow baby oh colin confirmed it so we're good we're good <laughs> No, well, but Julian, yeah. thanks for the kind words, bro. I would I reciprocate all that. And I, I remember having you being in the rock and roll history class. And I remember talking about music. And I I was uh felt kind of embarrassed to tell you I play guitar because I thought of you as like a much better musician than me. And like what you said, I imagined you probably like uh in his eyes, I'm probably just like some fucking douchebag like learning ACDC songs in my bedroom <laughs> or something. <laughs> Um, no, but I mean, like I said, I also felt the same way about myself because no one in high school knows anything. So I would practice for like four hours and then look at myself and be like, you fucking suck. This is a good transition note into our album review session. So uh, everyone got albums to review? Everyone ready to talk about it? Yeah, boy. All right. Colin and Keen, you've led one. Julian, you want to start us out with album review? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, gives me the clear so that it doesn't seem like I'm copying anybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, for anyone who isn't just listening and anyone who's watching, I'm going to be reading off of a notepad um, <laughs> because there's just no way I'm going to be able to say this all in a linear fashion if I'm not reading off a notepad. Um, so I want I want choppy like phony choppy condensed you sentences that don't flow well dates that don't we don't know what they quit. August twenty seventh. 
Um, well, I wanted to keep with the theme of the album I picked last week, which is just albums that I fucking love unequivocally. Um, I feel like what's the point in reviewing something that you don't really fully love? Um, but I did want to change it up and I wanted to go for like a totally different genre and a totally different time period. Um, so I went with, um, what I would probably say is in my top five favorite hip hop albums of all time. Um, the debut from outcast, which is the 1994 album, uh, Southern playlist at Cadillac music. Um, it came out in April of 1994. Um, and they were going for kind of a different feel from what was mainstream hip hop at the time. Um, hip hop had taken a turn towards a more industrial and like aggressive sound overall and a less organic sound. Um, and it was also a lot more, um, politically and like socially charged and maybe a bit more angry. It had taken a turn for some, um, just straight social justice. And so these guys kind of brought it back around to an album that both feels good, but also makes a lot of really powerful statements. Um, excuse me. Um, so kind of the reasons why I liked it at first were just because it felt so organic. Um, and I kind of felt like in a lot of ways, I hadn't really heard a lot of hip hop music from that era. That was like super, um based in like organic instrumentation and like live instrumentation um and so i just went on the internet and did some research at the time and found out that a lot of it actually was live instrumentation um and what made it so cool was um really outcast started out as just a group of producers who got together and made a bunch of songs made a bunch of tracks um, just for the sake of making a bunch of really good hip hop tracks that had been produced really well. Um, and they happened to find big boy and Andre 3000 on the back end of things. Um, which just makes the story come together really nicely. Um, big boy and Andre 3000 met when they were 16 and I mean, they grew up together in a lot of ways. They, they, they grew into men together. And they also witnessed a lot of shit together and 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 i mean they just they grew up together so what's there not to say about two homies that literally become men together um once they met the group of producers who fuck what were they called somewhere in my notes um Anyway, they met this group of producers and they kind of just started spinning some bars randomly. Uh, Andre 3000 was just freestyling and they knew these guys had talent right away. Um, so they signed a record deal. Um, the original record deal was for $15,000, which by today's dollars is like nothing. I mean, I'm in DIY bands that have spent almost that just out of our own pockets um on equipment and just drum sessions and stuff so um by that is standard it wasn't much money uh it was very much considered a diy project it was recorded with mostly secondhand gear uh, but like i said before they used a lot of really uh organic instruments and live instrumentation and they tried to mix it with some more 
hip hop influence like drums and percussion um which just led to a really organic feel and then the storytelling on the album like i say was kind of about um bringing the full black experience uh, especially like the southern black experience back into the picture not just um the angry um like pointing the finger at social injustice but also reminding people that the black experience is also a full well-rounded experience that has a lot of ups too um so it was just a really good insight into what being black in uh, atlanta was like which honestly for mainstream hip-hop that that was also a first um hip-hop wasn't really taken seriously from the south um until outcast really dropped this record um it was all about west coast and east coast before this um so this put the south on the map and uh overall i would just say it gave people a really positive takeaway as far as what hip-hop was because a lot of people especially white people had a lot of serious trepidation about um hip-hop and it was scary because a lot of it was pointing finger at white social injustice but this album really gave white people deeper insight as to um the whole black experience which is just hey um we witness a lot of social injustice and we are part of a lot of social injustice but we also have lives we have our own culture we do our own things and we're overall still resilient and um gonna bounce back from anything so yeah fucking that's pretty much all i got i would say anyone who hasn't listened to this album if you like hip-hop you definitely should check it out it is a production masterpiece even by 1994 uh standards it's it's or i mean by today's standards it's still great 1994 standards it's it's a gold standard record um and all the content stands up andre 3000 one of the best rappers and storytellers of all time and also introduced a lot of new rap flow and um just natural storytelling and rapping um as opposed to like mechanical rapping just in the debut of this record he changed a lot of the ways that people thought about how to rap so shout outs andre um and yeah fucking that's all i got finn that's awesome <clears throat> i feel like when it <clears throat> sorry i feel like when it comes to like the hip-hop genre and like fans especially of that like that i'm um, especially and like you said andre and how it casts are just like so idolized like for all the right reasons too like, they have so many great songs like, even like my go-to like playlist i probably have like five to six outcast songs i remember just like last practice or maybe two ago we were talking about them that's pretty cool yeah i i love outcast and i love their whole uh I love their whole discography, but their early stuff really sticks out to me as just music that doesn't give a fuck. They just made mm -hmm. it for themselves about their own experiences and anyone yeah. else that wanted to like, to like join along was welcome to, but it wasn't for anybody, but those boys back down in the South. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great review, Julian. I just yeah, recently um, revisited ATLians. Um, I don't know why I just uh, listened to it and uh yeah it, awesome. it's an amazing i know that's not what different album but um outcast yeah like the innovation there was insane and um andre 3000's 
and bit like big boy is incredible too but andre 3000 had such a way of writing and like if you put on a song like miss jackson like there's not many songs where people like freak out like that if you put it on today still you know like you put on that yeah. song and everyone's like oh hell yeah hell yeah and uh um, yeah but it's it's such a weird non-traditional song like even the the track behind it much less their rapping style and andre's voice on it so unconventional right. and it's insane that they could create one of the biggest f- phenoms of a, of a song ever it turns into music that really is just about celebrating and like being fucking lively um just as a closing thought i mean i i definitely mentioned it but I feel like a big thing today with rap and hip hop is just, it's almost a competition to see who has the best producers. Um, and I kind of do really attribute Outkast to a lot of that because they brought production value to the hip hop conversation. People never really thought hip hop could have production value before the Outkast debut record. And then after that, it was all about who could make it sound the best who could add the most and who could uh who had the best drums who had the best programming who has the best samples and that even continues through into today with all music but i think hip-hop hip-hop drove that idea that hip-hop or sorry that producers are just as important as the main contributors and songwriters and if you don't have good producers and you don't have people who are invested in making a solid production from start to finish, you're kind of fucked no matter how talented you might be as, as a writer, because a lot of really good writers, um, I would say were featured on outcast music that did not evolve into the same thing that outcast did. Colin or Keaton, whichever one of you guys wants to go next with your album review. Did something a little bit, uh more modern still old at this point actually 10 years old at this point um but last week i did an album from the 90s so i thought i'd do a little bit more modern and i I chose to do in the mountain in the cloud by portugal the man um i also own a physical copy of this on vinyl and um I've had this record for a while. It's cool because this one last week was clear vinyl. This is white vinyl. I like white vinyl. That's cool. Um, This is definitely one of my most played records. I love this album. I'll talk about the history a little bit and then talk about why I like it. But um, so Portugal, the man is probably a band we're all familiar with now because of feel it still um and there are a few other songs off of woodstock which is their most recent album came out in 2018 i think um but before the massive success of feel it still portugal man kind of toiled in um you know with, with being a largely unknown indie rock band for a long time they uh were formed in alaska of all places and the first iteration of 
Portugal the Man was actually as a hardcore band called Anatomy of a Ghost. And that had um, uh, John Gorley, who's the singer, and uh, Zach Carruthers, who's the bass player. And I think it had, uh, I forget his name, but John Gorley's cousin, who's now the keyboard player in the band, I think he was in Anatomy of a Ghost. I could be wrong. But anyways, uh, at some point, they moved to Portugal, uh, Portugal Portland and um, changed their name to Portugal the Man. I don't know how they came up with that name, honestly um and and at that point they kind of changed the music they played to and went much more like indie rock sort of what you might call anyways um in the mountain in the cloud is actually their sixth album but it's their major label debut this album was released on atlantic records in 2011 so at this point all the members were kind of, they were like into their thirties, you know, been playing together for a while and finally got their major label release. And this album led the way to their next album that came out in 2013 called um, Evil Friends, which is also a fantastic album. But in a lot of ways, I like this album a little bit more. Um, to me, it's, maybe my favorite album it's it's i would definitely say it's in my top five favorite albums of the 2010s and um it's largely underrated definitely better than feel it still and the woodstock album that portugal the man put out now um but i'll talk a little bit about the tracks so it starts with um so american a great song floating parenthetical time is at work in my side then to god it all parenthetical this can't be living now then to senseless then to head as a flame parenthetical cool with it that's a song that's probably the most popular song off of this one and um anyways it goes on with all your light and then ends there's there's a few more songs but ends with sleep forever and um the one of my favorite things about this album is the um order that these songs are in they flow together so perfectly and so smoothly it in a way almost sounds like kind of a concept album with every song kind of like moving up for listening to the next one and listening back to it <clears throat> now a lot of these songs are really like anthemic and I, I actually, I was lucky enough a couple of years ago to see Portugal, the man play a really small show at the Fox in Boulder. And they played a lot of songs off of this album and the entire yeah, audience. Did that. that was cool. Yeah, it was rad. Um, the entire audience, we were just like belting these songs out with them. And um, yeah, it, uh, right then I realized, like, man, these, a lot of these songs are just anthemic. Like I remember singing Sleep Forever at the top of my lungs. And uh, it was a cool moment. But yeah, um, I love Portugal the Man. The, the first, I had some some friends who got me into Portugal the Man, and I remember thinking they were really weird and cool. Um, and that was around like the Evil Friends era, so 2013. And then I went back and discovered this album. And um, yeah, like I said, you know, when I bought it on vinyl, I, I listened to this album. It, it's probably up in like my top three most spun 
albums that I have on vinyl. Um, nice. But yeah, great album. I'll give it a 8.5 out of 10 waxies and highly recommend you go back and listen to it, especially if you've heard Feel It Still and like that song should go back and uh, listen to it. We have Newt making his first guest appearance of the night. <laughs> first guest speaker of the podcast. <laughs> well, I'm going to go back. Yeah. Julian, you did it. We forgot. I, I totally breezed past it, Julian. Uh, wax, new waxy uh, ranking. How many waxies do you give? Um, <clears throat> on Colin's album, I give it a seven and a half out of ten waxies. <laughs> what about on your own album? What about Fuck the you, album? bro. Yeah, what are you doing, Julian? No one asked you to rank my album. Yeah, Julian, I'm, I'm happy you did. Um, I would definitely put uh, Southern Playlistic, Kylock Music at like a personal a personal 8 out of 10 waxies. Okay. Um, which I would say for a debut record might be like the highest possible waxy's score you could get nice debut records normally are around six or five Uh, waxies what i was leaning towards for this review was the um if it's not nice i don't know what it is by still woozy he dropped his full first full length oh yeah lp that just the entire thing front to back is insane obviously a lot of them were released as singles beforehand but I mean, for somebody just, he's younger. I, he's, uh, he's a year older than you, Cam. So he's 21, 22, and is writing these masterpieces of hard to even categorize it genre-wise. And you can tell he's, A, just took a really good singer. I respect his vocal chops. And me and him have a super similar voice, so I've been um covering some of his tracks and the covers that i do pop off on instagram and spotify or uh, instagram and tiktok and i was like i covered one of his tracks on tiktok and it got over three thousand likes i saw like that three day period yeah. yeah it popped up and yeah. um yeah and it's been helping me grow my insta like my tiktok and my uh my music pages so it's and it's nice, hopefully man. bringing some traffic to the waxy page because nice. uh, you know I, I could yeah so hopefully we can keep you know because his stuff is super relevant and <laughs> i i've been trying to write some stuff in the same vibe because that's obviously what people are liking but at the same time it's his his production is just extremely unique and you'll notice he's using like a lot of like reversed vocals and a lot of phasers and a lot of just it's it's really funky at its roots there's a lot of like auto filters and wahs and it's it's very it's very eclectic but it's also very poppy it's very easy listening it's good to listen to like in any situation so um I've just been enjoying that whole record and I can't wait to see what else he's cooking up because, you know, he's, just, he's our age. So like, um, he has a long way to go development wise, hopefully. And yeah, so do we. So yeah, that's kind of, I, I would give it probably, um, just cause I'm like real about it. 
eight eight or nine waxies out of ten just because there's i have a hard time finding any flaws in the album the lyrics are super meaningful just about anybody um the mixes are super good the songwriting is super good the singing is incredible he's on key he's on pitch he like the lyrics just feel natural the songs feel like he wrote them years ago and has been working on them forever so it's um like they feel natural to him the delivery is incredible you know you can hear all the words he's saying you can understand which helps you interact with the lyrics and there's not like a lot of auto-tune you, you know obviously everything has auto-tune on it nowadays but there isn't obvious auto-tune you know everything all the effects are really tasteful and yeah i'd love to hear what else he's got cooking and the music videos are hilarious so <laughs> there's that as well but yeah i'm on the Simpsons spotify right now and like the, what i was about to say though is like i remember maybe my soft i think it was my sophomore year i like I obviously like I'm not saying like I discovered so woozy, but like I'm in like my little like rocky friend group, like I definitely would like discovered so woozy. And um um it was kind of funny to like show my friends that so if so woozy's listening, you're welcome to those 35 monthly listeners. <laughs> goodie bag totally like was like the song, man. Like, like in my sophomore, like we were all bumping goodie bag. It was awesome. But um yeah, and um yeah goodie bag cooks. is on that album is yeah that the, oh, is that wait. the album okay and the other one cooks yeah. was the other one that i was listening to a lot um yeah, yeah. cooks is really good all this stuff is like lo-fi and there's like really cool like ah it's just i don't know and it, the cool part is too the production like is really heavy in like the low and mid range and leaves the top end pretty much predominantly for his vocals mm -hmm. um which just adds this really cool like ah, it's just and you can kind of tell too like he makes a lot of the beats himself oh for sure they're they're goofy they're goofy in the best way possible they're goofy yeah and yeah. but he's popping off and i'm just checking yeah. like he's he has a tour lined up for this next year he's doing really well and it just makes me happy to see artists like that do well that just you know are just generally good artists it's cool mm -hmm. to see that happen so and then another i would say um musically since i i shouted out the velveteers last time i'll do it again because they're going on tour with greta van fleet um this next year and i was That's trying crazy. to find some dates yeah so it's cool yeah. to see friends of of ours doing so well. That's I mean, we need to follow that train. Cam, what's your album? Um, I was also torn because like I didn't. I it was easier last time to choose because people were sending in that little group chat. Like what? Like you, you and I don't remember, I, think, I don't remember who it was. I think Colin and maybe Keen or I don't remember which one. But you guys were doing like older albums. So this time I tried to go for the newer album, and and I'm kind of cheated because I'm not exactly doing an album. This is an EP. But I was watching Portlandia the other day, and I was like, you know, the Portlandia uh, theme song is off the um, Watched Out album, Life of Leisure. So I decided to do that one. But I am cheating because it is a six-song EP. But um, originally, I only knew Watched Out because of Feel It All Around. That's the Portlandia theme song. 
but the whole album like i just recently i started listening to a lot maybe like five or six months ago and like it's i mean of, or, of just the six songs they're all fucking amazing and they're all like kind of like almost seems like a combination of like the because it is a 2009 album of like that early 2000s like electronic music like almost like slightly like moby inspired kind of shit you know but also like brings back like the 80s like softer rock kind of stuff that I thought like combined really cool and like they have a lot of songs that can fill it all around with like the techno electronic voice that goes over like the synth kind of sounds and like it just sounds really awesome like it's a nice combination of like an electronic mix up with like the rock kind of thing and that's kind of like what made me like them a lot because i don't know that was really cool to see that but um yeah just off that like six song ep i like it introduced me to, like the whole discography of washed out and i love them like i could see Portlandia. i just googled it a minute ago but Portlandia came out in 2011 and that album was came out in 2009 so that means in those two years like that ep must have blown up a pretty good amount for a show like Portlandia to want to feature a song by washed out so it's just cool to see like i'm sure that Portlandia had or like that um their album or their EP grew a lot after the release of that show. But even, even now, like, even when you go watch Portland, you're like, damn, like, it's great like to connect a song that I love with the show that I love. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, good show. Washed out, mm-hmm. good band, good review. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I'd get, I guess I'd give it, like, because it is an EP, so I'm cheating. So we'll, we'll drop a wax on it. I'll give it, like, an 8.2 waxies 8.2 out of 10 waxies that's uh it's a lot of waxies solid score mm. I, do, I do appreciate the EP. yeah i agree they give me uh they give me beach house vibes you guys into beach house yeah space yeah, songs like yeah she's space on i feel like uh we're do does the beach house still exists right they didn't like say they were done did they yeah, no i think they still do i think this will tour i don't know what their last album was i feel yeah, like we're due um, for a new lp yeah depression cherry was a very like seminal album i feel i feel like a lot of bands tried to emulate depression cherry after that um album came out absolutely and also just the themes of it like Bring in the fucking depth and like sad boy back to mainstream. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. All right, boys. I'm going to try to transition us because we're already reaching the, the mark of our time. But I know we wanted to kind of make it a tradition <clears throat> to end these with like a <clears throat> more, I don't know, like thoughtful, deeper conversation. So it took me a while. I spent like the whole last week trying to think of like what to go with because I want. Colin had a good one with that Buddhist passage and discussion that kind of led in like the social media aspects. So I thought this would be fun uh, for all of us. I would like to add to like try to stray away. I'm not trying to like say talk about like political Epstein kind of shit. But my question is um, what is your favorite conspiracy theory or myth or story you've heard that you genuinely believe is true? Like you are certain like this happened. Oh, that's a good one. Let's start with Julian then. Well, shit. I mean, man, I don't know if I have one off the top of my head. I, I think 
not like it's a conspiracy theory, but just the idea that, you know, social media is being, it's being framed as something that is a tool for us to be expressive, but it's really something that is being used to make us all just more submissive and agreeable to uh, just being kind of like umbrellaed into one gigantic mind-controlled population. I don't know if that really can, is considered a conspiracy, but like, I, would definitely I do it. really think it's true. And I do think we did get into it a little bit last week, the whole uh, Elon Musk theory about, you know, having an alternate version of yourself on the internet. But, uh, I mean, I feel like it just really is something that it has escaped us at a rate faster than we realize. And, like, I'm someone that uses social media frequently. I'm not going to say I don't. I'm not going to be one of those people that says I'm even trying to not. Um, but I do just think it's, uh, it's having an irreversible effect on the way that we are able to process information and it's making it easier for people to give us redacted information and versions of things rather than whole truths. And as a culture we are becoming more submissive at a very quick rate because of how convenient it is and how easy it is but at the same time i can't, I can't remember the last time i had a smart in-depth conversation with someone about like politics or social issues that didn't just either turn into a fight or you know, was just an agreeable robot conversation because we feel the same way about stuff. I think we're not able to be challenged by opposing opinions anymore on a large scale. I think everybody is that way. Um, and at the same time, I think we are so, as a population, okay with accepting what we view as our truth and disregarding everything else. Whereas as a population, even 15, 20 years ago, we were okay with being challenged on a regular basis and people did regularly change their opinions and were open to learning new information and changing their beliefs based on new information. And I really do tie like pretty much all that back to social media. My, uh, I'll keep, Mine's short. My conspiracy theory I'm going to pick is, um, and I only picked this because it's the one I give credence to, but the JFK conspiracy theory that this. Which one? <laughs> there are um, a lot of JFK. I guess the yeah. uh, conglomerate. I guess I, in a way, agree with all of them, just that the narrative that's been fed to us is a lie. Um, but uh, I, I would go with like the Oliver Stone conspiracy that it was the cia and i don't know that the i don't really give a shit i just just that the mob and the cia had something to do with it and that it wasn't lee harvey oswald and communists um and then you know now like trump was supposed to release the jfk files and it's being held up in like this ridiculous bureaucratic kafka-esque clusterfuck of of 
mishandling and they keep putting out stuff like you know oh we were the documents need to be reviewed further you know we miss this checkpoint or whatever the documents the documents um, need to be dry cleaned yeah exactly <laughs> and like does any who cares does anyone trust the government does anyone still believe that like the u.s government is uh on our side and good for us you're right who at this point who really does give a shit just like tell us the truth because we give more of a shit about like being actively lied to yeah yeah it's it's silly but anyways i i'm not a big conspiracy theory guy um you know obviously bush did 9-11 obviously <laughs> the moon landing was fake obviously um, i don't think dolphins are necessarily even like real in this yeah birds aren't birds, birds. Dolphins, um, birds did you guys there. see the documentary there's a documentary um on netflix fuck what's it called i'm not i'm never gonna remember what it's called but it's about the moon landing conspiracy and about how it's fake and it actually oh, no i haven't seen that i mean i believe that the moon landing's real just i mean controversial opinion i guess but that documentary drives a really hard argument as as far as the moon landing being fake like there's a lot of things that make you think like hmm this, that is weird but like if we didn't yeah. put a man on the moon like what the fuck really have we ever done <laughs> nothing there's nothing we've done yeah it's true it's like if they could yeah. fake something as grand as that they could do any they could you know manipulate anything I have a feeling that Keaton will have a good conspiracy theory. Yeah, Keaton, let's hear Yeah, Keaton, you go ahead. Oh, man. I don't know if I'll have a very... Mine's along the line of Julian's in the sense that... <clears throat> excuse me, excuse me. Um, I think at the end of the day, I mean, the government, and as of recent, especially as with all the lobbying and i mean i i I was trying to look it up because i know it was like 1995 there was like a lobbying law passed that pretty much took the cap off of how much money you could give senators from private corporations and that opened the door for people to corporate interests to pretty much make it so that their business is bulletproof um financially make you know like companies like monsanto creating basically patenting life and then making it so that a local farmer next to like a commercial farm um can get sued by monsanto if any of the um corn that they're planting next to the commercial corn is cross-pollinated and ruining local farms ruining you know i, I mean i i don't shop it I, I really don't shop at like Walmarts um, for that reason, just because a lot of the food there just doesn't. And I, nothing against people who do shop there. It's just the food there is not good for you. It causes inflammation, therefore causing cancers down the road. And you can see this trend from like the 80s where we started using all these really bad chemicals on our food and how that's transcribed into various diseases like increased alzheimer's increased cancer you know and it's like well it's kind of what people are putting in our bodies um 
And it's really sad to see, you know, the really obese person in front of you at a fast food joint who is basically they're diabetic they're sad on the inside they're sad on the outside it's like gosh like we're doing this to people forcing them to be in this cycle and um not educating them on how to eat better along the lines of the monsanto stuff just to take the conspiracy a step further do you think there's like a cure to cancer out there that's being like pushed down by a group of people possibly i know yeah that's a big i mean this is another i mean so there there's a cures for a lot of things i bet it's hard to say for sure either way but i mean like in this the kind of parallel in the fossil fuel industry there are other ways to make electricity that don't require fossil fuels that people are just shitting on um mainly nuclear. fossil fuel companies the yeah nuclear against nuclear power is insane and it's that's a good point it, yeah, colin it's not fossil fuel yeah yeah my grandfather is literally a nuclear he's like his doctorate in nuclear physics or something and teaches at a university and nobody he has nobody he has two kids in his class every semester because nobody wants to learn about nuclear technology and it's like that's the that seems like a pretty good and there's it's but if viable. you guys check out if you guys check out the movie the need to grow there's it's this uh biodome in montana basically where uh, a biodome is like this facility that literally um uh oh, i'm forgetting the word now um decarboc uh oh nope that's a weed term uh <laughs> Anyway, sequesters, sequesters carbon, um, and it's it's negative output, supposedly negative output is that outputs electricity. And um, so basically this biodome pops up in Montana and it's doing really well and it mysteriously burns down in the middle of the night and they basically boil it down to some foul play from the fossil fuel industry coming and burning down their, their you know perfect example of you know they're they're able to sequester carbon and able to output electricity for free and you know obviously the fossil fuel industry sees that as a huge threat i should have let myself go first because you guys are really good <laughs> but what um I don't know one thing that I mean, you didn't this is your segment and you didn't have a, a conspiracy theory prepared I yeah I need to plan A B C and D so we'll go plan D. Um, well, the one thing that I feel like is kind of like the whole fun about that is like the second a conspiracy theory is either proven or disproved, the fun and it goes away. Like the government was it two years ago now, like released the alien the UFO footage, and like like that's a no one batted a fucking eye. I guess everyone kind of knew all along there was UFOs, but like. They were like the actual Air Force released their footage legitimate of UFOs and said the same like UFOs are real. And then it was like, great, that's that. And it was kind of like, there goes all the fun of the conspiracy theory. Yeah, Cam, I feel like the unceremonious nature that UFOs were uh, revealed with um, was strategic in and of itself. It was just kind of like, it was kind of buried. And after all the hype. I mean, yeah, COVID, but also, like, they were released, like, 
I don't know how much you guys follow like the news cycle, but like they were released off cycle and they weren't like published by anybody major for like over 24 hours. And I mean, I think Colin mentioned it like just with the whole JFK thing, the government like willfully hiding information or like diluting information. That's something they definitely did with with that UFO footage because they still have so many hundreds of hours of unshared footage that they can show us that are way more clear. That kind of like leads me also to the down the rabbit hole of like the whole Egyptian, um, all those conspiracy theories surrounding Egypt and old technology and old earth type stuff and like something i read recently is they were able to find that the sphinx supposedly had water damage or some sort of wind wear on it that predated it another like hundred thousand years making it you know like just totally throwing off anything that we think we know about what happened way back in the day um yeah so it's just stuff like that i mean we're we think we're really smart as a civilization and yeah we are to an extent but it's like jesus a lot of stuff we don't know especially the older shit like there was no obviously no way for them to document like the yeah. history and like their stories like it was all myth essentially and like there's no like internet where you can just log on your story base yeah like this is what happened on fucking january 11th but i think about that a lot like what kind of history like stonehenge the pyramids um like the shit like the weird shit at the bottom of the ocean all that it's like what the yeah. fuck especially stonehenge colin you were always really fast when you put on glasses yeah it's flashing <laughs> where'd you put those on i didn't even notice it's yeah, like colin, yeah, it's I also showing my nipples on camera you've done that you've done that like three times this episode don't lie yeah i have it's but, subliminal it's <laughs> subliminal yeah, messaging subliminal. Much like Stonehenge. Colin, what do you think Invest of Stonehenge? in Monsanto. Um, yeah, I know. When we were little, I feel like you and I was catching talking about it. You like Stonehenge. Yeah. I, uh, it's got to be fake. Um, created by the aliens. But then I've also heard Stonehenge isn't that impressive to visit, actually. It's just kind of a bunch of fucking rocks stacked on top of other rocks. It's not even that big. <laughs> yeah, so it's like they probably may have done it. <laughs> So yeah, sorry to be a buzzkill, but I should hop off soon. Yeah, yeah I was thinking probably start wrapping yeah. it up here. But uh, Cam, great job. Um, I, that was a really good episode, guys. I think, especially for it only being our second. I think in a lot of ways we surpassed the first. But he, and I was I was telling Julian and Cam before you got on, I'm almost done editing the first one, and it turned out uh, really good. I think so. I'll send you guys. Nice. Um, I'll send it to you probably tomorrow. Uh, Cam, who do you elect to drive the next one? Um, I don't know. Do either does one have a preference? Does either one of you want to go? Keaton or Julian? I don't care. Keaton does. Keaton, all right. Keaton, you're up, man. Schnikes. Uh, okay. Yeah, we got <laughs> I'll be. I won't be late next time. I'm sorry about getting on a little bit late. It's just. Uh, when you're my freaking when your fridge breaks man i had to throw away all my food and it was like ugh. and then the water like my ice machine dude is like a river of water in my house and i was like yeah this is sick 
Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, but I'll come with some interesting right, shit for next time. Love you, dudes. Good sewed. We'll see you next week. Love y'all. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah. Peace. Waxy Wednesdays with Wax Romantics.